أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome all you listening to Rahil Hamza and Shafiq Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Verbal Outpost where we like to have an informal conversation about real topics and we'd also like you to take part so make sure you do leave us a comment or drop us an email on verbaloutpost at outlaw.com with your thoughts and comments so to move on to the next point obviously we've talked about how we kind of embraced islam uh, because we were all born into muslim families um that's just covering three potential different points on the wide spectrum of muslims um, but of course, there are many other Muslims in the world, uh, and just like any other faith or religion, not everybody's at the same place on that journey on, on in their faith. Um, you know, you've got anything from people who know very little past the Shahada, maybe not even thought about what that even means for them, um, but still Muslim, of course. Um, and then on the opposite end, you've got those who are very practicing, very involved in the community, um, and then in between, you've got all sorts of strands in that spectrum there um but obviously all of them share that one common denominator which is if they're asked the question what is your religion they would say islam um but what about those people on that spectrum and kind of continuing on from a conversation we had last time about people leaving islam what about the people who have doubts um do you think that you know while they're still muslim but they have these doubts is there actually enough support for the muslims when they need it you know when they have these doubts or concerns or uncertainties within islam where can they actually turn to we talked about this quite extensively before isn't it that there is very little out there and the muslim community could and should be doing a lot more to help um, with some of these doubts and I talk, I alluded to it earlier where I said that actually as part of our children's upbringing and their tarbiyah should be around dealing with some of these arguments against religion, against Islam um, and against Muslims as well. So, you know, some of the arguments against Muslims. Um, so it, it the community could be and should be doing a lot more um, to help people that do have issues. And I did mention actually last week as well that there is, there was the Ipsos Mori bit of research that I referred to where if we have a look at the Muslim community in the UK, you're talking about half of the population that, reg that are slightly more than half, probably about 60%, 55 to 60% of Muslims that regularly worship or, you know, at least go and pray Jummah once a week. Mm. And the report was actually saying that's a significant number of religious Muslims and Muslims take their religion quite seriously when compared to other religions. Mm. Um, so actually they were saying that was a very high number. Um, we may say it's quite a low number, um, but it, it's slightly more than half um, that regularly do some form of worship, according to that bit of research. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point, especially against the um, the current climate of the world. You know, there's a lot of uh, elements against Islam. So that is a pretty decent statistic, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's just we could be doing a lot more. We could be mm. doing a lot more. We could be getting more people um, engaged with their faith and um, it, we could make it a little bit more meaningful for people, for the community. So you mentioned that... Yeah, think, um, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just going to mention, uh, just to add on to that, I think um, in terms of sort of the support, um, I think most people now, um, unfortunately, sort of, they turn sort of online if they have any sort of doubts or any questions. Just go onto the internet, find an article, find a video. Um, and that can be helpful sometimes, but it's also the internet is such a lot of, <laughs> there's so much information on the internet and so many mm. different opinions on different things. It you can also get lost in it and it, you can sort of turn out to, uh, to be much worse um, just because you've gone on, clicked on the wrong video. Um, so in terms of having that support, I think it's much better if you get that support from within the community. And I think the community, um, they need to continue, um, it, you know, working hard with the Muslims and building trust and where they feel that, look, you can just turn to these people, you can turn to an imam and just speak to them and not feel like, okay, they're going to judge me for, you know, the lifestyle that I had or these questions that I'm about to ask. I think it's an, there's an element of trust where they feel like, look, I'm not going to get judged or my family's not going to get judged for me asking these types of questions. Would you say that judgment element that you just touched upon, Shafiq, was that, would you say that's from a religious perspective or cultural perspective? Oh no, the cultural all the way. Um, I think it's a cultural thing. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of sh shame that happens within our community where you know when when your neighbours find out that something's happened, it's like oh, you know you feel a sense of shame when really it shouldn't matter. It's about what Allah thinks ultimately. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you go through different trials in your life. You know, y your kids might do something that you're not happy with, and you know the community find out about it. But that's something you just deal with, and you sort of you would hope the community help and are there to support you rather than passing judgment. And I feel like that's something, especially within the Asian community, I think that's something they do, um, and I think that needs to be put to a stop. To be honest, because I think that's what prevents you know, us speaking out and seeking help because we just, we feel like, okay, it's going to be embarrassing. Mm. For, for those that are perhaps in that situation where they're, you know, in a community that's very judgmental, I guess. Um, so they're afraid, I guess, for lack of better wording, to ask any questions. What advice, if any, would you give to that person? You know, obviously we touched upon, there's not much support from the community. So what advice could go to our, to those people? Um, I mean, if if I knew someone who was sort of struggling with their faith, I mean, I, I'd need. I think that's quite a difficult question mm. because it would depend what they're struggling with, um, and it's whether I'm also able to help them with that particular issue. If it's something very basic, you know, they're, they're struggling with their faith in terms of um, learning how to pray or, um, you know, having better habits. Um, so they're able to pray five times a day, for example, I can maybe help them with that. Or if it's a, a generic question about Allah or the prophets, mm. I might be able to help them with that or, or at least point them in the right direction. But it is quite a difficult question to answer without knowing what it is that person is struggling with. Yeah. I think obviously, you know, during this lockdown, we've become very familiar with this term of support bubbles, um, you know, just in terms of our 
well-being, uh, whether that's physical or mental. Um, me personally, I think everybody should be able to have some sort of support bubble in the sense of an Islamic support bubble, um, somebody they can turn to, doesn't necessarily have to be anybody from the masjid, but just somebody they can turn to um, and confide in, I guess, with those concerns. Um, do you think there's any reason why certain people would sincerely believe in Islam and obviously say they, must, they are Muslim, but not implement that in any form? So, you know, for example, if you ask them, are oh, you Muslim? They say yes. But then let's say, for example, they don't pray. Do you think there's a, any kind of underlying reason why somebody might be in that situation? Yeah, I've actually come across a lot of people like that. Um, I've got a good heart. I mean well, but they may not. They don't pray. It's not even. They may not pray. They don't pray. Mm. And there's some of the other obligatory actions that they don't do. Mm. Um, and often they'll say that. Well, yeah, I've got a good heart. I don't wrong people. And you know what? To a certain extent, that's accurate. It's true, mm. um, but ultimately, you, you, we, we do need to do the absolute fundamentals, so yeah, praying and doing our salah, um, fasting in the month of Ramadan, doing zakat. Um, yeah, there's some fundamentals that we have to do. So, uh, and 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 I mean, I suppose the point is as well is that. Muslims aren't really a monolith. We talked about ex-Muslims and we said that actually they're not a monolith. And even with Muslims as well, you know, we're not a monolith. There's people um, at different points, at different stages of their practicing. Um, so, you know, there's some people that are probably working their way towards um, becoming a bit more uh, observant in, in, in the religious actions things like salah they're probably working their way towards it so you know there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that may be religious but yeah you know, they're working their way towards it they're not there yet no i mean what one common thing i've heard a few times is somebody says to me make dua that i start praying so how much do you think is is kind of weighted behind that in in the sense that because you know, the, the understanding i almost get when somebody asks me that is they're waiting for Allah to make them pray almost? Do you think uh, that's where we should be, or is there anything that we should be doing actively ourselves, perhaps? That's actually not bad. I've I've never had anyone say to me, "Make dua that I start praying." Have you not? Never. No, I've, I've I've never had anyone say that. I've heard a few people say that. Yeah, I've heard a few people say things like that. You know, make dua for me that you know when we speak to them about Islam, and they're like, look, make dua for me that you know I start learning more about the Deen and start praying and etc. But yeah, do, it, it, but do, when I, to be honest, whenever people ask say things like that to me, I also say, look, I'll do it, but make dua for yourself. I'm always very encourage encourage them. Look, you need to start making dua for yourself. Yeah, Allah may or may not hear my dua, but you know, if you're sincere about your dua, you're the one that needs, you know, asking for help. You should ask yourself. But do you know what? Hats off to those people. By the sounds of it, I mean, I don't know specifically the people, but at least they know mm. that there's a that, that that there's something that they can improve on, or that there's something that they're doing that's wrong. 
Yeah. And at, at least they acknowledge it. So some of the people that I know that say, well, actually, I'm good inside. They don't acknowledge that actually I should be praying and I'm making a mistake. They think, no, well, it's all right as long as I'm like this. Mm. Is that I'm okay the way that I am. I don't need to do anything else. Mm. So, yeah, at least those people acknowledge that they're doing something wrong, even though they may not be taking the action, mm. at least. At least they acknowledge that there's something wrong. I think for some people as well, they have difficulty. I mean, especially if it's that sort of late stage in their life, they have difficulty changing that lifestyle because um, they've, you know, they've had all these desires and stuff growing up and now suddenly to switch, you know, they'd have to really want it and really break maybe potentially ties from other people who aren't practicing around them to change their lifestyle to fit within sort of the Muslim mold Um as I, you know, as you would, um, but it's whether it fits and it's whether they they can push themselves to do it. It's not an easy task to do if you sort of lived your whole life in a completely different lifestyle. Hmm. Yeah. How about people who might be somewhere in between? So let's say they pray sometimes when you know maybe things are getting difficult. They right, I'm going to start praying, and they start praying. And then whenever that particular hardship or difficulty is, is passed, they stop praying. As an example, of course. Do you think there's any reason why they might do that? Or any advice that you would give to those people? You see, with me as I've become older, what I would say now is that at least they're praying sometimes. And mm. just, again, having a look at this data, um, there is quite a significant part of the population that do not pray at all. Um, so at least these people are praying sometimes and actually we should give them a little bit of a push to come closer and uh, pray a little bit more often. Yeah, but, definitely. you know, if we go slightly further down, you know, this data has got some amazing charts, but actually if you go down to, you know, the people that don't do any form of worship, that's that's where... I think it can get a little bit more challenging. Um, but with people that are praying sometimes, um, at least they're doing it sometimes, is what I would say. Mm. And it shows you that they've got something there. There's, there's something there that potentially, you know, either we can help build on with them or inshallah maybe one day um as sort of me and Raheel mentioned there was something that sort of triggered us mm. to become more practicing and maybe they're just waiting um, not they're waiting but maybe that sign will come and it will push them over sort of the edge towards becoming a practicing muslim mm. what are your thoughts Raheel um i think it's a, it is a difficult one because uh, everyone's going to have their own views. I mean, I was speaking to somebody um, on a one-to-one -one basis who is kind of like that, where they pray when things get a bit difficult, um, and then you know they, they want to do it, but they just kind of fizzle out, if you like. Um, and and I, I, you know, I said, oh, let's kind of talk about it a little bit more. And is there anything? underlying that you think is, is the reason behind why you would stop after you've already started praying and they just effectively put it down to laziness yeah. you know, being lazy that when things have gone easier and calmed down um, you know that particular hardship has passed as it were they just kind of get into a lazy routine and, and, and drop out if you like I think there's a lot to be said around 
So, I mean, there's one thing that's people praying sometimes. And what if we say people praying all the time, people praying sometimes. Um, and then, yeah, people praying every now and then, but doing other good deeds. But then sort of on the flip side, if you've got people that actually do quite bad deeds, you know, they'll be doing gambling or fornicating or mm. you know, taking intoxicants, drugs. If they're doing those things, that, that, that really, that makes a big difference as well. So this particular individual, if they're doing all those things as well, then, you know, we, we perceive that person to be a little bit different um, compared to somebody who abstains from all those things and then will pray every now and then. Does that make sense? So yeah, there's a mm. difference between somebody who prays every now and then, but then also does a lot of bad stuff, mm. a lot of haram things versus somebody who abstains from that and yeah, will pray every now and then. So I'd, I'd, I'd consider them to be quite distinctly different. And especially here in the UK, honestly, it, it, it just varies so much. Just there are so many spectrums of religiousness. And then there's all these other factors like the cultural um, factors that come into it. Um, age, generational, you know, you've got millennials now. Um, you know, you've got, you know, for example, hijab, you know, modest fashion. So there's all these big trends as well. Um, so it, it it's not like it was 20, 30 years ago where, you know, you could walk into any mosque or any, you could meet any Muslim and they're very, very similar. Mm -hmm. bar, the, bar the group that they belong to now, it's just, honestly, it just varies so much. Not to knock any of that or belittle anyone, but yeah, it, it is, there's a lot of spectrums. It does exist. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I wanted to touch upon is do you think there's anything that stops people from praying? So we talked about laziness and, you know, your own actions and things like that. Um, but the, the specific thing I wanted to allude to is the company we may keep. So do you think that the company we keep is, is, is much of a factor in people, you know, not praying or not implementing their, their, their Islam in any way? Um, yeah I, yeah sorry i was just gonna say yeah it, it has a part to play i don't think that's it, you know it's the main cause or reason because there are some people who you know don't even socialize don't have a lot of you know friends or you know whatnot and they're still maybe being quite lazy or they have other desires that they're sort of following on that's what's preventing them from praying um but yeah I, I think having the right people around you can have an impact though it certainly did for me having uh, friends who were very similar-minded, who are also going through this journey of trying to pray and having Islam embedded in every action they do, you know, I think that makes a big difference when you see people around you doing the same thing. And it might, you know, it explains why the culture down in London, down south, is very different to up here, where we've got mosques on every corner, let's say. We've got plenty of masjids here in Nottingham, but down south, you know, they're praying all the time. It's normal for them. Hmm. Do you, obviously, the, the the obvious advice would be to change a company if that's the influencing factor. But I mean, obviously, it's in a hadith as well. But how realistic do you think that is to change a company if that is the cause? I think at this age, it's 
probably a lot. I mean, at this age, it's not really that relevant, is it? Well, if we're talking about a company, it's probably more about your family. So it's who you've chosen to be your life partner or your spouse and then your children as well. I think at this point, I think I think for those listening that are a lot younger, yeah, a company is very important. And we talked before about how Shafiq talked about when he would go to, when he was at university. I'm putting words into your mouth, Shafiq. I'm telling you a story. <laughs> but... Correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about when you're at university, you would hang around certain people and when Salah time kicked in, they would go to the mosque and you'd all collectively go together. Yeah, that's right. So it was something that you'd collectively do. So that builds in that bit of habit. And actually also, I'd add add on to that as well. Back to the original question. If people are struggling to pray, it's tough to fix that later on in life. It is. It's tough mm. to uh, incorporate habit. I mean, it can be done. You know, we do things like dieting and going to the gym and changing bad habits. So it can be done. It's not like it's impossible or that difficult. Um, you know, we're not talking about quitting smoking or anything like that, where it's an addiction. But it's incorporating a good habit. I think what really helps is when. It's starting from an early age, is what what I alluded to earlier. But if children see their parents pray, they are far more likely to pray. Mm. So um, it's a case of just instilling those good habits early on. So when they're older, it's not something unusual or it's not something that you just do on Eid day. If that's what the kids have seen from their parents, they just go to the mosque or, or, or their dad. He just goes on either day. So, mm. you know, parents have to take some responsibility as well. And that's why I said it's very important that we instill some good habits into children. And honestly, it's tough. It's very tough. Easy for me to say what everyone else should be doing. But yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, for those who uh, Hamza mentioned are in sort of the late stages of their life, you are struggling with Islam. I mean... Me personally, I I did speak to someone who was struggling. You know, it, I could see that they sort of wanted to, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about someone who's in their forties, um, and you could I could tell that he wanted to. He just found it quite difficult. And I said, look, why don't you just try? You know, you know I pray, um, and I'm able to do it. And this is a this used to be a work colleague of mine. This is from a few years ago, a work colleague of mine who, um, I was able to step away from my desk, go do my prayer, come back and carry on work. I said, look, you can do the same. And then he started talking to me about his prayers and he was talking about doing his nuffles, his sunnah, his fards. And I was like, bro, look, you know what? You're just trying to get into a <laughs> habit of praying. Um, and I, I see this happen quite a bit as well. I've, I've seen other people say similar things. And I'm like, look, don't overwhelm yourself with islam can be very overwhelming you know if you sort of open that book and then you read all the things that a muslim needs to be doing and should be doing it's just it can scare someone away you know for you know when you speak to new muslims and you think they've gone on this journey you know you appreciate it so much more think to so wow you know they've read all of this and they're looking to work hard to become this muslim that they've read about you know uh, be like the prophet so i mean with my work colleague i told him look just just focus on the fard I said, just focus on maybe even do one or two prayers. You know, start off with one or two prayers and then build on that. And alhamdulillah, he was able to do it, you know, and inshallah, I think that's what other people should be encouraging others to do as well. Don't overwhelm each other. Good, good. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like if you're starting to run. Now, 
I'm not going to go um, yeah, out for a run and do a marathon tomorrow. <laughs> Any sort of practice. Right? Mm. I've, got to, I've got to build up to that, and that'll probably take about six months. So, yeah, there's no way that you can do absolutely all of your Salah. So, absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, so absolutely, yeah, Shaf's point. It's about mm. building that habit, starting off with the obligatory just at, at the very least the advice that I, I i've always given is that just stop doing the haram stuff and just pray for pray the fard salah yeah just the fard do it five times a day okay and and and, and just just embed that into your life incorporate that and then worry about everything else okay don't worry about the rest of the stuff. Don't worry about reading Quran every day or every week or once a month. Don't worry about any of that just yet. Just establish all of that. Definitely. Yeah, I think that goes back to, you know, that cultural understanding of uh, Islam being brought up. Um, but yeah, I think we we are coming towards the end of our show. Um, so I, just to conclude, really, we have been talking about what it means to be a Muslim. Um, Please do leave your thoughts and comments with us. Um, if you've got anything you'd like to discuss with us, we would like to hear from you. But yeah, just to conclude, thank you all for listening. Uh, I've been Raheel with Shafiq and Hamza. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Waalaikumsalam.